a lamb and listen in. We've got a lot to say. Hi, hello, hey. I'm Rachel. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to... Chew and swallow. <laughs> we need to do a rap version next time. Oh yeah, I don't know how that's gonna. I'll I'm I'll, I'll think box. on that. I'll be like, oh, perfect. Actually, that was perfect. really bad. I don't think I'm gonna do that. I love how our intro went from "Hi, hello, hey." I'm Rachel, and I'm Maddie, and welcome to Chew and Swallow. To like, welcome to. <laughs> and like this whole like song i love the evolution i was just intro. gonna say it's an evolutionary process <laughs> <laughs> also you know what i was thinking about earlier hmm. we have been doing our podcast for over a year <gasps> have we really mm-hmm. i did not even notice <laughs> We started in December of 2022. Oh my god. Happy anniversary to us. It's past, but wow. I know. Yeah. Congrats. We've been doing it a whole year. And you know what? I'm drink I opened a bottle of rosé. I'm drinking the first glass, so cheers. <gasps> cheers. I don't have anything. I've water. So <laughs> Cheers well, to your have- water. <laughs> cheers to my water. I I only have nice wine right now, so I don't really want to open my nice wine. <laughs> Understandable. Oh, I have an interesting update on my life. Oh, let's hear it. Actually, it's not interesting at all. Oh, let's still hear it. (laughs) I got two lamps. (laughs) Where where are they? I got a lamp for my living room (laughs) in the corner. It looks lovely. Under $15 at Target. Ooh, yes, Target. And I got a $12 lamp also from Target for my bedside table. And it's so cute. Okay, I want pictures. We're going to post your lamps you on the Instagram. I, I think we should. This is a big life update. Yeah. But I got them both for under 20. Like, that's unheard of. Especially at Target. I am surprised. Yeah, I know. Did you have to buy the bulbs Wild. separately? Yes. That's they fine. They didn't come with bulbs. I don't think lamps I went usually to come with bulbs. No, no. This is this is a fallacy of the material world. <laughs> We're living in the material world. And, and I, I am, am a material, material girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love that musical <laughs> intro. Half podcast, half musical. Honestly, and eventually we're just gonna break out into song. We usually do. Content. We do that anyway. That's true. I'm I'm always over here singing Bob's Burgers songs. <laughs> yeah. Date night tonight. Gonna go out and get some food. Some food. I don't appreciate Bob's Burgers enough without you wait did i say that correctly i appreciate bob's burgers more because of you oh i'm so glad that i could give that for you every time i watch it i think of you oh thank you that's so sweet you have any songs about the theory of life and i really don't no songs no not even some scary catholic songs uh not not about life or death Ring around the rosy pocket. Yes, I was. I was gonna. I was gonna sing that one. <laughs> that one's pretty dark. That one is dark. The whole story behind that one. Wasn't that Wasn't it like set... the Black Death? Yeah. Was that the Black Death or was it a bomb? I can't remember if it was. If it was related. I think to... it was the Black Death. That would make Ring sense. Ring around the rosy pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Pocket full of posies. 
Hmm. What even is that? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to look it up. The suspense is I killing me. I know, it's going to kill me. I'd love to like know more of the origin stories behind different uh, like nursery rhymes and stuff. Okay, the roses are a euphemism for deadly rashes. The posies, a supposed preventative measure. The, the uh, tissues pertain to sneezing. I don't remember that. A tissues. Oh, what? Uh, symptoms and the implication of everyone falling down is, well, death. Thank you. Hmm. I wonder what it was specifically related to, though. Oh, it was the plague. It was the plague. Yeah, I thought so. All right. But other than that, I have nothing for you. Okay. Well, we're going to stick with Ring Around the Rosie as our intro song there. All right. <laughs> All right. We should probably get into this topic. Okay. <laughs> we are talking about a variety of things today, pretty much centralizing around the themes of life and death and afterlife and what this whole existence means <laughs> so welcome life the universe and everything and everything so if you like the cosmos then you're gonna like this the answer is 42 by the, the answer way. is 42 so get your <laughs> backpack and start hitchhiking in the galaxy <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing sparked for me because i wanted to talk about the egg theory because that again tiktok started this for me apparently the egg theory is like less of a theory and more of just a short story so the it's called The Egg. It's a short story by Andy Weir, who is an American writer, and it was published in 2009. It's his most popular short story. It's about a nameless 48-year-old man who discovers the meaning of life, quote-unquote, after he dies. So the story is about the main character, this guy who's referred to as you in the second person, and then God, who is me. So if you're not already confused... um. But you, a 48-year-old man who dies in a car crash, meets God, the narrator, who says that you have been reincarnated many times before and that you are now going to be reincarnated as a Chinese peasant girl in 540 AD. So you're like, what is that? Like, what do you mean? Like, what am, like, I was just this, so reincarnation's real. You know, what's the whole story? So God explains that you are constantly reincarnated across time and that all human beings who have ever lived and will ever live are incarnations of you. So I'm sure you're thinking like, oh, if everyone is me, like that bitch at the supermarket, fuck her. That's me too. It's like, yeah, that's you. (laughs) Um, Like, but also is my mom me? It's like, yep, your mom is also you. So like Adolf Hitler is me. Yep. Adolf Hitler is you. And Jesus is me. Yes, Jesus is you. So God explains that there are other godlike beings elsewhere and that you too will one day become a god. So this egg theory is like to make a god out of you. You are every human and you're going through like trial and error just to ascend to this next level, which follows a lot of interesting theories about, you know, the higher self. Have you heard of that? No. That's a very popular thing um, in, I think it's more like India and the Middle East where your higher self, you know, related to chakras and all of that, like kind of meditation and peace. It became popularized in America, you know, with like the hippie movements and and stuff like that. Um, So the entire universe in this short story was created as an egg for the main character, all of humanity, to live every human life ever. And then you would be born as a god once you've lived every human life ever. So the reason that God created the universe was for you to understand the point that every time you victimized somebody or every time you've done an act of kindness to somebody, you've done it to yourself. Hmm. Doesn't that kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah. Makes me not want to be mean to people anymore. Not that I'm mean before. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's like, there's this level, right? So I think of The Good Place with this theory too. And how in The Good Place, the TV show with Kristen Bell, they met this character who was like trying so hard to be perfect. He was trying to get the most points so he could go to The Good Place. And they realized that, he, you know, he wouldn't even step on a bug. He, <laughs> he was trying so hard what? just to like do everything right. You know, he wasn't buying tomatoes from the grocery store that because like they were farmed improperly by like workers paid a really bad wage and things like that so he would try and grow everything that he ate he wouldn't even leave his house like pretty much the point of the story was that he was living a very terrible life that was inhumane to himself just to be able Mm. to get to the good place I think about that balanced with this because people I think have bad tendencies like we're we're good people but we're not always good people (laughs) You know, well, it's that whole like we're human thing. Right. So it's like sometimes we're going to be mean to people. And sometimes that's a reaction that's happening more in ourselves and we're self-projecting. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not. Sometimes we're just fucking mad because somebody did something really messed up. Yeah. Unless you're somebody who bullies people for fun. I think that we're all doing okay. (laughs) Right. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it does re-perspectivize it where you're like, oh, let me try and do something nice for someone today because maybe they're me. (laughs) I mean, maybe. (laughs) If you live in the world of egocentrism. In order to survive and be nice to people. <laughs> okay, you I t- need to you, be nicer. You tell me that is not true. You are you are already nice to the people who deserve it, and that is why I like you. Aw, thank you. Tell me some stories that you got. So mine, I did some superstitions on death. Okay. So I guess I'll just tell you. I'll tell you like one for now, and then you can dive in a little bit more to what you have, and then we can come back to me. Yeah, totally. I like it. All right, cool. So this one is coins on the eyes. So the practice dates back to the ancient Greeks who believed the dead would travel down to Hades and need to cross the river Styx in order to arrive in the afterlife. To cross over, they needed to pay the boat driver, Sharon. I don't know if that's how you say it. It's C H A R O N. So it's either Sharon or Sharon <laughs> or Karen. No. <laughs> so Karen, Sharon, Jared. I'm dead that it's Sharon. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's when Sharon. You, when you get down there, you got to see Barbara before you can get in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's Sharon. Sharon? That's worse. I, I don't know. I <laughs> I like Sharon. <laughs> so you need to pay Sharon. So the coins were placed over the eyes of the dead so they'd be able to pay the fare. Secondly, and more practically, people die with their eyes open. Oh, many people die with their eyes open. <laughs> no, be- everyone dies with their eyes open. <laughs> Your eyes are closed, you open them before your last (laughs) breath. (laughs) You need to be able to look at Sharon in the eyes. (laughs) It's all about manners, kids, okay? You know, you've dealt with Sharon enough in your waking life, and guess what? She's back. Oh, yeah. You're never getting rid of Sharon. (laughs) Secondly, and more practically, many people die with their eyes open. This can be a creepy feeling, having the dead stare at you, and it was thought the dead might be eyeing someone to go with them. 
They want a buddy to meet Sharon. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I would be scared of Sharon. I would also be scared of Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Coins were a practical item to weigh down eyelids until rigor mortis set in. Coins being round and fit in the eye sockets as well as being relatively heavy. The most famous set of eye coins is the two silver half dollars set on Abraham Lincoln. And they're now on display in the Chicago Historical Museum. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So if you want to go see Abraham Lincoln's Sharon Toll. God, I'm such a slut um, for Abraham Lincoln. You are a slut for Abraham Lincoln. I <laughs> love that man. Did he mess up? Sure. But didn't we? Don't we all? Again, aren't we all each other? <laughs> well, we're all the same person. We're all so. an egg. Okay. That's what we've learned. Everyone's an egg. We're all Sharon here. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's everyone's just trying to reach the point of being Sharon. <laughs> Wait, who is Sharon again? What does she do? The one on the. <laughs> 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 okay, so it's to cross over the river Styx. They need to pay pay the boat driver. So she's so literally... the boat driver is Sharon. <laughs> she's literally the <laughs> cashier. <laughs> What, into the yeah. afterlife? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you have to pay Sharon to cross the river. And she's also driving the boat? Yeah. God, is there anything this woman doesn't do? She's doing everyone's <laughs> dirty work? <laughs> <laughs> well, she doesn't do anything for free. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I can get with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else you got for me? Okay, so I learned two new words today, and one is called pareidolia. Pareidolia. Um, it's spelled P-A-R-E-I-D-O-L-I-A. So however you want to say that. And cool. I'm dyslexic, so. <laughs> so they're all the same letter because <laughs> there's so many vowels. And then this one, you're not going to like either. Apophenia. I think that's probably how you say that. Apophenia. So it sounds good to me. Pareidolia is the tendency to perceive meaningful patterns or images and random or ambiguous stimuli, such as seeing faces in clouds or objects in ink blots. This phenomenon has been observed in humans for centuries and has been attributed to a variety of factors, including the brain's natural tendency to seek out patterns and the influence of cultural and social expectations. So pretty much it's just saying that when you're looking at something that you might not understand or that looks very abstract, you're like, oh, it looks like a face. It looks like a smiley face. Right. So, so your, your brain is trying to make it look like something. Yeah, this is a psychological concept. And, uh, you know, the ink blot thing, it's used to study the human brain. So it's just like a thing that humans see themselves, basically, because our egos <laughs> are so freaking huge and pumping. Mm. But that's true. Apophenia, on the other hand, is the tendency to perceive connections or meaning between unrelated things or events. And this is interesting because it can lead to the formation of conspiracy theories and superstitions. Mm. So as individuals seek to find patterns or explanations for seemingly random or unconnected events, they develop this. So this is just like correlation does not necessarily equal causation. Right. So I feel like this is where people have gone off the deep end especially with politics, but apparently these two things are related in uh, are related to religious or supernatural images and everyday objects, particularly pareidolia, which is the one where you see meaningful patterns and images, where apophenia has been linked to conspiracy theories, perception of illusory correlations and gambling and like risk-taking behavior. Um, basically, they're saying it's a normal human function. It's related to psychology that humans are religious. Like, it's just kind of a natural thing. And I was thinking about this, 
and how interesting it was thinking how religions started in different places of the world. Similarly to like math, you know, it's almost like this thing that humans just understand innately or they need in order to live. Yeah, well, whenever I was researching like the meaning of life kind of thing, it was like humans have to like they have to question this they're not like we're not satisfied with there's nothing like there's not not a meaning in life we have to have a meaning in life to go through yeah like this curiosity we have to have a purpose and this curiosity drives us to the point where it runs our entire lives like if you think of it everything we do is based on death well we're born to die right so like And you know how people would always ask you like, oh, you know, what do you think life would be like if we didn't die? And it would be completely different. Yeah, it would. Hopefully I would have been taken away by a fae king. But, you know, here we are. Beautiful fae man. I think about it. I need to start reading that book again. I I miss that book. Literally, it's become, Aquatar has become my comfort series. And I I think I'm taking my time with it now. Like, I'm, I'm actually very into the little blue book, Frost and Starlight because (gasps) are you I told you I told you to stick with it I'm into it because I think that it's comforting you know what I mean like it just gives me my my friends that I've been connecting with through the entire series through how many books like what two books Mm -hmm. three three and it's just like I think that's why she wrote it Mm, yeah to connect with the characters that's what you were saying when you were explaining it to me before Mm -hmm. I love it It, anytime Akatar comes up (laughs) I know same okay So getting back into it, I researched a few theories of the universe of, you know, like similar to the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. So the first one I found was brain world. So this is an aspect of the universe that's like we take it for granted. It's like we see things in three dimension, right? So what if it's not just three dimension, but it's fourth or, you know, beyond that. So some theories are suggesting that there's another spatial dimension that we can't perceive directly and it would be in another perpendicular direction. So it's kind of hard for me to fathom, like wrap my mind around this, but this higher dimensional space would be referred to as the bulk, while our universe is a three-dimensional membrane or, quote, brain, B-R-A-N-E, and this is floating inside the bulk. So there's more dimensions in addition to the third. Like the first, second, we're on the third, there would be more. Wow. And I think about what what it would even look like. Like, could I see through shit, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if you were looking down at it, you mean? Um. So if you're looking down at a one dimension, it would be a line. If you're looking right. at two dimension... It would be just shapes uh, like uh, a piece of paper. And then the three dimension is obviously like those shapes lifted off with the ability to rotate it and see all sides of it. I don't really understand what a fourth dimension would be because I can't see it. So uh, I don't know. I don't I don't really know how to envision it. But I mean, I don't know if it's a myth or if it's a fact that it does exist. But, you know, if there are three dimensions, would there not be more? Yeah, that's true. Right. But this leads into what people call the big splat. And this one, I think, is a little darker. So in the far future, galaxies will eventually drift so far apart that light from one will never reach another. In fact, as stars get old and die, a time will come when there's no light or heat left and the universe will likely be a dark, cold, empty void. So welcome to reality. It sounds like the end of everything, but according to one theory, it's actually the beginning of the next universe in an endlessly repeating cycle. So in the brain world theory, which was the one before this, this is what happens when one cold, empty brain collides with another. So 
given enough time, it's bound to do this eventually, according to this theory. And people believe that such a collision would generate enough energy to create an entirely new universe. So this is called the ekperiodic theory, though physicists have dubbed it the big splat. I've never heard of this theory before. I have. Do you know how? How? From Futurama. No, uh I don't remember that in Futurama. Yeah, they have an episode where um they go on a t- in a time machine and they can only go forward. So they go forward to the end of time and they watch another big bang happen and it just keeps repeating oh my god i need to go back and watch futurama because that is speaking to me yeah but then they also had they also had an episode where they do end up going into a different dimension where it's just one dimension it's one um oh yeah wow that probably went right over my head i know like i well i didn't know it was i didn't i wouldn't have ever thought about that while i'm watching the show until you brought it up and I was like oh my god because I've I've been re-watching it a lot lately and at the end it just kind of went like cold dark black nothing was there mm-hmm. yeah and then the new big bang started oh wow that's a really interesting way to visualize that yeah I'll see if I can figure out which episode it was and I'll let you know I do love Futurama one of the best cartoons that was ever made I will say I agree um I have a few actually I have one other thing that I would like to share, and then I, that's the end of my information. So okay. we all we all know our man Carl Sagan, a visionary man, and gracing the world with his intelligence. Um, <laughs> he <laughs> he wrote a book. <laughs> I love Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Are they probably assholes in real life? Yes. Don't come after me because I am obsessed with the cosmos and shit like this. So leave me alone. <laughs> but <laughs> him, them, and Abraham Lincoln. All right. <laughs> she's a hoe for both of those <laughs> and i'm a sauce hoe so sauce them up and send that's them to me. true <laughs> <laughs> all i can imagine is abraham lincoln with a bunch of sauce all over him <laughs> a tall man with a high-pitched voice covered in sauce <laughs> he keeps all the sauce in his hat <laughs> that's where he's hiding it yeah so in carl sagan's book contact he theorized that the first thing aliens would see of us was hitler now if you're like me i I was like what (laughs) like why would you say that um so it turns out that the first signal broadcast that was powerful enough to break past earth's atmosphere was hitler's opening speech at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. What? Isn't that fucking wild? The aliens are like, are you kidding me with this bullshit? Like, who is this fucker? This bitch. <laughs> he failed art school? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so random. Yeah, isn't that weird? Which is like, I don't know how much, how true that is, right? Because... There's a limited understanding of what things might be able to pick up from a different planet, galaxy, whatever, um, and how our technology really translates to that. So I thought it was just an interesting theory. That's funny. Yeah. A little sad. <laughs> a, a little bit. I hate that that their first vision of us would be fucking Hitler. Hitler. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I wouldn't expect it any other way, to be honest. <laughs> I know. It's like, what a perfect dictation of humanity. <laughs> Thanks a lot. 
<laughs> Not even MLK. Like, it had to be fucking Hitler. It had to be. All right. Give me all you got. Oh, you're done? Yeah, that was it. Oh, my gosh. All right. So this, so we're back to death superstitions, if you forgot what I was talking about. This one is to cover your mirrors. So it's been said that all mirrors within the vicinity of a dead body must be covered to prevent the soul from being reflected back during its attempt to pass out of the body and on to the afterlife. This practice is apparently strong in Jewish mourning tradition and may have a practical purpose to prevent vanity in the mourners. <laughs> Get it? Literal vanity. Ha. <laughs> This practice is apparently strong in Jewish mourning tradition and may have a practical purpose to prevent vanity in the mourners so they can't reflect their own appearance, rather forcing them to focus on remembering and respecting the departed. I think that's smart. I I think that should be a rule. I agree. Because as much as I want to say I wouldn't look in in the mirror at myself, I would. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Bloody Mary ain't get that way for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> She's trapped in there. She trapped in there. <laughs> so this one's uh, funeral processions. So there are a lot of superstitious beliefs around funeral processions. First, it's considered very bad fortune to transport a body in your own vehicle and approaching a funeral procession without pulling over to the side and stopping is not only bad taste, it's illegal in some jurisdictions. What? Wait, so if you pull over in your own car in a funeral procession? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, why would somebody pull over if unless something happened? What if something happens? I mean, I bet like like if your tire blew out, that would probably be fine. But it's I think it's just like, oh, I need to put some lip gloss on. Let me pull over. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, it's said if a procession stops along the way, another person will soon die and the corpse must never pass over the same section of road twice. Counting cars in a procession is dangerous because it's like counting the days till your own death. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Don't like that. (laughs) Well, that's it. I Um, got 15 days. (laughs) You better hope for a really long funeral possession. <laughs> you must never see your reflection in a hearse window as that marks you as a goner. Wow. <laughs> you're seeing you're seeing your future. Well, we all die, right? I mean, we are born to die. Mm. Bringing a baby to a funeral ensures it will die before it turns one. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I don't know about that. My dad brought me to his dad's funeral as a baby, and I turned out just fine. Look, you're still alive. I am. Um, a black cat crossing before a procession dooms the entire parade. Okay, enough with the black cats. Leave them alone. I know, right? They're not witches. I know. <laughs> Mimi, you're going to be burned at the stake. <laughs> Mimi, you're crossing every road before the funeral procession. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> this apophenia will not stand. <laughs> Um, one thing I know to be true about a funeral procession is what happens when you leave the back door of the hearse unlatched. Wait, what did you say? The back door of the hearse unlatched? (laughs) Yeah. Because the casket would fall out. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) I know. It was just a little joke they had at the end. Oh. (laughs) So pregnant women should avoid funerals. Numerous cultures harbor this folk belief, and even today, internet message boards and social media bear many messages 
from expectant mothers wondering if there is any truth to the old wives tale. Possible explanations range from fear that the spirit of the dead will possess the unborn child to concerns that the highly emotional nature of the funeral could cause a miscarriage. Wow. A related superstition states that if a pregnant woman does attend a funeral, she should avoid looking at the deceased. Again, the underlying fear is that the spirit will somehow induce her unborn child to enter the land of the dead wild of course they're blaming female emotion on a miscarriage yeah that's definitely a problem it's i know also like such a religious type of superstition that's like i can see why people latched onto that one yeah but also it is kind of ridiculous like you're telling me if you're pregnant and your dad dies you can't go to the funeral like yeah, that's crazy. And also, like, I feel like pregnancy, you have, you're highly emotional in all areas, True. not just at a funeral. Like, also, you could have a meltdown about the type of chips that you want. You know what I mean? Literally, like, but also, like, everyone at a funeral is emotionally distressed. That's true. What makes a pregnant woman any different? Yeah. Or, like, the baby's gonna be tainted. You tainted that baby. But a spirit has to, you have to allow a spirit into yourself. Right. Like, you have to give permission. Well, that's the, just demons, so, right? That's true. That's true. But why would just a soul of your dead father or whatever, why would they want to be inside your baby? Plot twist, you give birth to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you name him, honey? I named him Daddy. <laughs> I named him after you. (laughs) Uh, This last one is unlucky 13. So having a dinner party. If you or your guests that are are at all superstitious, better make sure the total dinner tally doesn't add up to exactly 13. As one popular superstition claims, when 13 sit down at a table to dine, the first to rise will be the first to die. It might sound unlikely, but this superstition is actually inspired by some pretty strong evidence. My my burp was silent, but it was for you. Uh. (laughs) Was that better? (gasps) Yes. (laughs) I cannot burp on command. (laughs) Just so you know. That was very <laughs> well-timed. Ancient cultures certainly believed in the impending death caused by this number. An old Norse legend tells of 12 gods who sat down to dine. When the 13th god showed up to the party, one of the gods ended up dead, and the near destruction of humanity followed. Similarly, Judas was reportedly the last guest to take his seat at the Last Supper, and everyone knows how that one turned out. Yikes. This is interesting. So former President Teddy Roosevelt was a believer. Whenever he attended a dinner party, he made his secretary hang around to see how many guests would show up. If the guest count resulted in a total of 13 at the table, Roosevelt made his secretary join the meal to bring the number to a safe even 14. Wow. I know. That's a little bit dramatic, Teddy Roosevelt, but okay. So I'm not taking any chances you're eating, bitch. <laughs> and with I that. Mean- <laughs> All righty. Well, if you enjoyed today and want more of us, go head over, follow us on Instagram at Chew and Swallow the Podcast, 
And if you would like to donate, you can go to www.paypal.com slash paypalme slash chew and swallow. We would greatly appreciate the support. We would love to do this instead of working for the man. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to work for the man I, no more. I can agree with that. So um, now you know all the all the secrets to life, the universe, and everything. We're here to give you the answers. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.